rotten motherfucker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Most Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Damon Damien. Now, today's episode, I'm so very excited to bring you today's special guest. Words just cannot even express how excited I am to bring you today's episode. I mean, the Bouncing Souls were one of the most influential bands on my young adult life. Uh, as you can imagine, being 17, 18, 19 years old, and just, uh, you know, you're on the tail end of puberty. You're graduating high school. You're moving out of your parents' house. You got hair growing in places you didn't know hair was going to grow. You got girls who you meet who just don't want to have anything to do with you. And you're going through all these emotions and feelings and ideas. And you're trying to find yourself and you can't. And during that time period, I found the Bouncing Souls, and they kind of really helped me out through that time period. You know, they're goofy, they're silly, they're fun, but they talk about a lot of things that me and my buddies were doing. We were having parties and throwing toilets off the roof, you know. We were meeting girls and never, and you know, falling in love and never seeing them again, you know. And uh, really, these guys, along with the Descendants, have helped shape me into the person I am today. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be Damien. Now, when I first moved to Colorado in 2001, uh, how I spent my summer vacation had just come out. And Bouncing Souls were torn in support of it. Uh, they played at the Ogden Theater in Denver with Flogging Molly, One Man Army, and Madcap. And uh, guess what? I got a chance to interview the Bouncing Souls for my th- for the uh, print zine of Mostly Harmless back then. The interview never saw the light of day. Mostly Harmless number one in that incarnation never was never printed. But um. You know, I did interview the band. I got to go backstage, climb up the stairs to the top where the uh, dressing room, the Ogden Theater is. And there's Pete and Brian hanging out. You can tell they didn't really want to do an interview, you know. And especially with another 20-year-old kid who is going to ask the same boring-ass fucking questions that everybody asks. And I did. And I'm not really terribly proud of the interview, but I went back and I reread it the other day. And it's not, it's not bad. It's not great. It's, you know, what a 20-year-old does. You know, when he's first learning how to interview bands. And uh, it's that interview is one of the reasons why now I try to do so much more research and why I try to go a different direction with my questions than most people do. Uh, does Do I always? No. Does it always work? No. Um, but today today was me trying to get redemption with Pete and Brian of the Bouncing Souls. And luckily we were joined by Mike and Greg as well. And let me tell you, I can't tell you how damn awesome it was to be sitting in the backstage of the summit music hall in denver um there's these two couches i'm sitting on one i've got pete and brian sitting on the one next the couch next to me looking at me i've got mike sitting right next to me and greg sitting on the coffee table all four of these dudes looking at me talking to me intently i wish somebody had a picture of it to be one of my most prized moments and memories um but yeah, there there I was in the backstage of the summit talking to my heroes once again. And I think we hit this one home. You know, I opened this episode up talking a little bit of telling an embarrassing story about a, a important moment in my young adult life that the Bouncing Souls were there for. And, you know, we talk about how crappy that interview was back in the day. And, and it, what's funny is I think, you know, me and Brian's like, I think I remember that. I think I remember that story. Yeah. And maybe he does. Maybe, you know, maybe that was me. Maybe it wasn't. But, um. I'm pretty happy with it. Now, generally, like if you've listened to this show, you uh, you would know that I tend to ask questions about their backstory before they started as a band, what drove them to start bands and whatnot. Um, but I feel this subject was very, very, very well uh, covered in the Do You Remember 15-Year 
of the Bouncing Souls documentary put out by Chunk of Saw Records. A fantastic documentary. I watched it two or three times, and it really gives you a good feel, vibe of who these guys are. And, you know, th- that's who they are. I can attest to it. You can tell by just listening to it and hanging out with those guys backstage. These are the guys. They're just like you and me. Why the hell was I so nervous, you know, 11 years ago to interview them with the Ogden? They're just dudes. Um, and so for this one, we kind of talk a little bit more about adulthood growing up. Um, the ideas of having kids and whatnot, and where do you go from here? And you know, some of the some of the questions I asked were kind of shitty, but again, they're one of my favorite bands. I'm a little nervous, but uh, it's cute. It's cute being nervous still after having met so many fucking crazy awesome people. Uh, now, thanks to Chunkasaw Records, we're going to be giving away a copy of the Bouncing Souls' new album, Comet. Uh, all you got to do is go to MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com and click to enter. Click the contest tab. Uh, there's a, and enter. That's it. All you got to do is uh, submit, and boom, you can win a LP of the Bouncing Souls new album, Comet. I'm trying to get those guys to throw in a couple more goodies. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. We'll see. So you might you might end up getting a whole bunch of goodies. You might end up just getting a record. But, hey, it's free. Why don't you go head over to mostofthehamaspodcast.com and enter the win. Uh, Bouncing Souls are wrapping up their second leg of their U.S. tour in support of Comet, out now, co-released uh, by Chunk of Saw and Rise Records. Uh, they're they're going to pick it back up on August 24th in Europe. Um, again, I'd like to thank the dudes for sitting down and talking with me. And again, if this is your first time listening to the Most of the Harmless Podcast, please go go check out mostofthehomelesspodcast.com, like us on Facebook, and listen to a couple of interviews. we got some really good interviews with like Andrew WK, uh, Brendan Kelly, Lawrence Arms, Broadway Calls, Cheap Girls, Jeez, uh, Red Fang. The list goes on and on and on and on. And i got a bunch of really exciting stuff coming up. Next week we got Tom May from the Menzingers. Um, it looks like we're going to have Joyce Manor on the show. I'm working on Dear Landlord, but I don't think that one's going to work out. And then it uh, looks like we got the Toadies coming up a few weeks later after that. So we got some cool stuff going on. Go over to, you know, whatsonhomelesspodcast.com and click like. Uh, I'm going to quit rambling. We're going to go ahead and get back, get on into this episode. We're going to open up today's episode with uh, the first song off the new release comment. This song is called Baptized. Stay tuned. After that, we're going to go into, you can listen to me, uh, you know, gush and kiss the bouncing soul's ass a whole lot at the Summit Music Hall. Thanks to Summit Music Hall for being, uh, for always hooking me up and helping me out, I guess. All right, without further ado, this is Baptized off Comet.
All right, man. So uh, I'm sitting in the backstage of the Summit Music Hall with Brian from the Bouncing Souls. What's up, Brian? What's up, man? How you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Um, so last time, like I was just telling you a minute ago, uh, the last time I interviewed you guys, it was backstage of the Ogden in, uh, I think it was 2001, sounds about right. Was that yeah, when Summer vacation, vacation came out? Yeah. You guys are on tour with uh, Floggy Molly, One Man Army, and uh, Madcap. And uh, I came upstairs. I was nervous as shit. I was just barely 20, 20 years old. And, like, you guys were my favorite band the entire time. And after the, I was done recording the interview, like, the interview was kind of, eh, so-so. I reread it last night, but uh, I'm here to redeem myself now, 11 years later. Uh, and uh, so I was talking to, uh, a- after the interview was over, after I hit stop on the uh, tape recorder, I was telling my good buddy, J- we were leaving, and I went, well, I just wanted to tell you guys, I, uh, I lost my virginity to maniacal laughter. Like, I made sure that, like, to stop everything I was doing to put it on. And my buddy Jared was, he was like, I can't believe you just told those guys that. Awesome, man. And, uh, you, I wonder if you're the same person that told, somebody told me they lost their virginity to, virginity to Lamar Vinoy, the song Lamar Vinoy. That might, that might be me. I wonder if it was you. But I, mean, I don't. Or there are, two, or there's I mean, someone like you like, out there. I, I, I made it a very big point to, uh, to get laid for the first time with uh, maniacal laughter because it was such at that point you know 19 18 nine years 19 years old my it was my favorite record and was such an important thing to do and my buddy jared was just mortified and he was like i can't believe you told those guys that and i'm like well what not like it's fun it's cute yeah and uh so i i I just wanted to open it and i wanted to open it with this so when he listens back he's mortified again once again so uh but i wanted to know is there any bands that are kind of like that that had that kind of impact where it's like man i have to do this listening to whatever record or whatnot i mean you guys have been doing this for a long time so it's probably not as whatever like that no i think it's pretty similar actually (laughs) um I could definitely start listing bands that that were that important to me. That, yeah, for sure. The Descendants would be right the first thing that comes to my mind, just maybe because we're here. In Den- in Denver, but is uh, Bill going to be here tonight? Bill has to. Later, um, so. Yeah, he's, he has to take his kid out to Red Rocks to meet oh. Jack Black, which is some serious good dad points. Yeah, and then he's going to try to catch up with us afterwards. I just saw on Stefan's uh, Facebook he was out there in uh, Tulsa and he met Jack Black and those guys. I'm like, yeah, I'm jealous. So. Anyway, um, probably a cool guy. Yeah. What about you guys? Any anybody off the top of your head? Just curious. It's no big deal. I think back to like high school, you know. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> specials. You know, some yeah. like band like that. Like we listen to a lot, but never ever wanted to do something specific to any band. But I used to, you know, seriously. Well, yeah. I mean, a like band so, that was yeah. so moving. It was always the soundtrack to everything we did. Yeah, that, yeah. Can't yeah. go wrong getting laid to the Cure. No way, no way. It it, it is not so much necessarily getting laid, but it's like that triumphant memory in your life. It means that much to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and, and that's just one of those things I'm always curious about because you usually tend to find those bands usually are big turning points in people's lives and careers and whatnot. So it's just curious. Um, You guys have been at this for 20 years. I watched the uh, Do You Remember DVD like three times this week. Cool. So, so I'm a little over knowledge, so it kind of makes it harder to interview. <laughs> Too many I, questions. I, well, I know everything pretty much. So, okay, true. Um, but I want to know, like, uh, I read an interview where you guys were talking about how you guys still stay friends because you guys found. Um, no, no, I haven't got that part yet. Um, you guys were wild, rambunctious, crazy kids, and then now you're—it's 20 years gone by now. And uh, have you adjusted to this like adult life? Have you adjusted to it? I think we've just created our own version, you know. Yeah. 
you got to hang on to your like uh, your wild and rambunctiousness, but you also have to like be a grown man as well. You know, you have to walk a line somewhere mm-hmm. in between. You know, it's like, it's like we're the same people. You know, just like new. Yeah, we have new responsibilities. I guess yeah. we have a couple of adult responsibilities, <laughs> but we're the same yeah. idiots. And heart, you know. Yeah, I through my research, I could find out. Do you guys have any kids at all that you're willing to talk about, share? Michael does. Michael does. Never does. Yeah. Never around. There he is. Hey, Mike. Just asked us if we had, have any kids. No, they don't have kids. No. Oh my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious about you guys. Well, now now we're joined by everybody. Um, so, Mike, you got kids. I just have one daughter. Just one daughter? Yeah, yeah. Now, if she decided to jump off in a van and run away and live this wild and crazy lifestyle as you have, what would you do? Would you allow it? Well, yeah, I think she's smart enough. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Cool. How old is she? Twelve. Twelve? Nice. She's that smart. She's, she's really smart. smart. I think she's smart enough that I would, I would give her, like, enough room to, to yeah. like, let her go before I brought her back in. Yeah. Now, what about you guys? Would you guys ever have any kids? Is that something, or is it just like, eh, I got a dog? I got birds. <laughs> what was your good, good one? You're, thinking, you're like, I could have had kids, but but I didn't walk that path or something. What did you say to me the other day? It was so good. Like, I don't remember, man. I think it was like, uh, I could have had kids um, or neck or given neck tattoos. Yeah, that's that was like a long. There was a long lead up to that line. Yeah, yeah. So never mind. I would, that. I would have kids. kids though. I would have kids, but I've never had a strong desire to have. I gotta have kids. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people that are like, I'm gonna have a kid. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely gonna have a kid. Like, you know, I've always seen that, and not been that way. Yeah. I always want to have kids until I figured out how fucking crazy I am, and it's like, yeah. I don't want to pass them on this shit. So, yeah. uh, but if if you did accidentally pop a sperm into whatever, you know, to, to go the vulgar route of saying it, um, and you did have kids, would you allow them? You know, hypothetically, to live this kind of wild and crazy lifestyle you guys did, living in squats and whatnot as kids. The idea is to like allow people, whether it's kids or your family, to to like discover their own life. You know, and then to be there to be, you know, kind of like be like, well, this is a good idea and this is not a good idea, from my opinion, from my experience, and that's what, how I would treat them. You know, be like, but you know, you should figure it out for yourself as well. But and then draw some lines you know in certain places there has to be lines when they're little you know what I mean yeah. but you know I think, I think that's what life's about you gotta go run around and do stuff it depends like on the kid too like like Redermitt said like right. his daughter exactly yeah. Suki is really smart, really smart you know, you know. if your kid was Suki kind of retarded you, you, wanna... you give them the opportunity to make the judgments for themselves and then you don't have to worry about it exactly right. so yes. cool um, so with the with you guys like with the three with the three of you guys being like lifelong friends, um, how have you managed to stay friends and family so long? And I know you're new to this, but I assume that you're now a lifelong friend too. <laughs> I mean, what, 10, 12, 12 years? Yeah. I mean, longest job I ever had. So, how have you guys managed to stay friends this long? It's a matter of accepting our differences and like still the, the high school buddies that we are are still there, you know what I mean? Even though we do like different things and we do do different things, we live different places, but we're still, I think we acknowledge all our differences and we appreciate them and, and that's, a, that's a big big thing. We have a good time together still, so, yeah. Um, I, think, I think it was you that said in an uh, interview that you guys had found your ways outside the Bouncing Souls. What, what have those ways been? Well, 
I don't know, maybe just uh, doing some different things besides the bouncing souls. Because for the first 10 years, we really didn't do anything else. <laughs> Literally, like, not anything else. So everybody's been, like, Brian started tattooing, Pete's producing and recording, and I've doing some, I've done a kid's book, and now I'm doing a kid's record, and I did a solo record. And so just doing other things, I think it's, it's, it's good for uh, your, your, your soul, you know. Um, you live in Idaho now? Mm-hmm. How is it being separated from the rest of the guys after being together for so close? I'm, well, I'm sure you guys still... We that in, like, 2000. Yeah. Is it... So, <laughs> we've already been there. We were, like, so, we were so busy during those years. Like, it didn't yeah, even really matter. Yeah. I was, was on like, tour for, like, 10 months out of the year. So everyone's like, you live in Idaho or L.A.? I'm like, like, yeah, but I'm on tour of, for 10 months yeah, out of the like, year. We so. all live in a truck together. Yeah. So, <laughs> those are just the places we go between yeah. tour. That's how, it's, how that worked. For the, when I first moved from New Jersey... 99, 2000. Yeah. And, and that's still something you guys are comfortable with? Like, it's become... I yeah, guess you're used to it now. It's, what, 12 years? Yeah. We make it work, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You, you talked about the, the truck. Like, you guys are driving around a Penske truck now? Um, well, we have the, the White Castle, which is our Ford, oh. 14-foot box truck that mm-hmm. we bought in 96. That, that's, that we've converted into an RV. It's mm-hmm. got eight bunks in there. Um, that's Yeah, that's, our, that's the White Castle. That's us. And the Penske truck is just... Hauling all the merch and gear. Oh, right on. You guys need that much? I'm kidding. That's fine. That's what stuff, man. stuff. Like, I know the descendants in all, and those guys traveled in a box truck. How is that compared to, like, the hobble pod or whatever? It's bigger than the hobble pod. It's the most important part about it. Having um, the ability to stretch out. Like, head to toe, actually, like, stretch out. That's all you really yeah. need. Like, it's like flying, like... like yeah. If you could fly and lay down, I would fly everywhere. All of you like you like to lay down, man. I'm going to fly. It's easy, you know. But in a chair, you know, it's the same thing as being in a van or having like a like bunk, yeah. you know? sitting yeah. up for yeah. eight, eight hours. Yes, lay and chill. Uh, so, so back to like the other ways you guys are doing stuff. Um, you're doing tattoos now. You've always done all the artwork and everything for all the albums and whatnot. When did you start like illustrating, drawing, and whatnot? Or has that been like a That's since been, birth? Yeah, since birth, my whole life drawing. Yeah. Um, how did you get into tattooing? What was the just a natural just, progression? Just, yeah, being a kid collecting tattoos, and then this was like when the band started. Uh, me and this kid, Ugly Bill, who was like kind of like a fifth member of the band mm-hmm. when we started, um, just figured out how to build tattoo machines out of like Walkman motors, and started like like and doing like hand poke tats on every, all the dudes in the band and stuff. Kind of was into it early on and then just sort of forgot about it when the band got so busy mm-hmm. and um, back around I guess 07, 08 08-ish we slowed down on all the like heavy touring and right. that's like when everyone started kind of doing their own thing and that was like the chance I needed to really like do it right get apprenticed work at a shop cool. so now it's like my other career what shop do you work at? Uh, two shops. One's called Immortal Ink. The other one's called Neptune Tattoo. Cool. Do you get a lot of people coming in for Bouncing Souls tattoos? A fair amount, yeah, yeah. which is really nice. Yeah. I, I was going to ask, like, how uh, how flattering is it for all you guys to have people with stuff forever marked on themselves? The ultimate level, I think, maybe a flattery. Yeah. Uh, my first tattoo was supposed to be a Bouncing Souls tattoo, and then the tattoo artist didn't want to do it, so I got something else. And I still have the spot saved up here. And I was talking to Kate. I was like, because I saw that you tattooed uh, my friend Emily at uh, her shop that she works at. And I was yeah, like, Marion Street. Yeah, yeah, Marion Street. And I was like, I did one there today, too. Uh, I was like, 
I want to get on all that. I oh. wish I had emailed you. Oh, well. Um, I'll be there tattooing again, for sure. Cool. Yeah. Um, so you're doing producing, Pete? Yeah. I got, I got two emails from friends going, find out what Pete does. Nobody knows what Pete does. But do you produce and record? Yeah. Like, what kind of bands? What kind of stuff? Um, all kinds of stuff. Uh, biggest thing I did was um, Dave Haas' solo record. Oh, sweet. So I've done um, a lot with him and like with some, with some local artists. And cool. What studios do you work at? Um, I have a studio at, uh, it's called um, Little Eden Studio. Cool. And uh, I don't work anywhere, like, anywhere else too. You know? Right on. Yeah, cool. somewhere else I'll go there. It's got a really cool logo. I do. Little Eden Studio. <laughs> yeah, Great cool. logo. It's cool. Someday someone's gonna see someday it. Someday, maybe someday he's gonna make shirts. But you know what? I ordered shirts in what is it? January. Really? Dogwood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matter of fact. Um, I can't wait. So, Greg, you're do, you you just put out a solo record? That was uh, last year. Just a dog. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, why solo record? Finally. It was just like something that I had thought about, and I was like, okay, I just want to do this. It's, yeah. a, it's a 10-inch, six songs, and, and just get it out of my system and do it. Yeah. And then you put out a children's book? The children's book we did, like, my wife and I did um, in 2007, 2008. But now we're doing, we finished recording a children's record, kids' record. Oh, coming out in October, and Pete recorded, and Michael recorded so Pete helped engineer and produce, and Michael played drums, and then we recorded some of it at our place in Idaho, my wife and I. Cool. Yeah. Is that coming out on Mike Park's Little Kid label? Fun Fun Records. Right. That's it. Cool. Um, great. Yeah. And, and then, uh, so what are you up to when you're not with the band? Stuff like that, I hoard myself out for money. <laughs> Literally. Who, any, like, yep. <laughs> any studio stuff, live stuff, like anything like that. Cool. So. Um, so live music is, and stuff is such a collaborative effort between the four of you guys. How is it when you guys go out on your own and achieve things? Like, is it a different feeling, or is it kind of a emptier feeling because you're not together doing it's something? <laughs> it's different, but I've learned a lot from it, and I've learned a lot from those experiences. I, I'm able to come back, and, and it broadens. I think it broadens your horizons. Yeah. It definitely does. They say you should play with as many people yeah. as you can, but it also, on the other hand, like getting with a core group of people and getting super tight that way can also teach you that's like that's another invaluable experience yeah, you know? yeah we're like, like the most lucky dudes ever in the world man like, look at us man yeah. <laughs> we get to play together we get to tour together um so i i, I caught you guys uh, at the marquee theater you guys played the four night stint of all four albums i was there from maniacal after it was amazing seeing that in a sm- such a small club in such a small environment it was just fucking mind-blowing how was it for you guys was it kind of it's fun it's totally it was awesome yeah, we did it like uh 12 cities right eight eight cities eight cities four so nights a city it was rad yeah. it was really good rented gear flying in i bet that's pretty great too mostly oh. no we, we got did some of that right yeah no, no? no? Yeah, that's right. In Europe, yeah. we did it in Vienna and yeah. in yeah. London. So we always read stuff right. in Europe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Shows what I know. Huh. I have drums <laughs> over there. Huh? I have drums over there. Oh, eh. Um. So, so how cringeworthy was it going through that whole entire catalog? I know you've said there's definitely a couple, some couple cringes here and there. The beginning was hard. The first couple times we did it was pretty challenging, and then it got easier. We got better at it. Yeah, it's like we. I feel like we graduated from some weird learn your own song school, and we, now we can play anything, pretty much. Yeah, kind of inspiring too. Like going into uh, 
us writing our new record yeah learning like all the songs kind of looking back at like at things like that like really worked and things that were like that that didn't ever like really work you know yeah like, yeah but like, i always had that like yeah in my head as we were writing but and what was cool about it i really look at it as the same thing it's like if you have this room and you want to like add on to it or change it but you really can't do it unless you clean out your closet completely right. you have to clean, you like find out all the crap in there and get it out of the way and then you can actually start doing it and that's how I felt about it yeah. and even if it was stuff like we did that we were like this song just like that's why we don't play this song and we just we acknowledged it and we said it and we played it and, and, yeah. and that was that how was, it, how was it for you learning songs that you never had to learn before I, I touched on most of them. See, I, see the th- check this out, man. So I got in this band, and they didn't say anything. So I just started to learn everything and chart everything. And then there's a whole load of shit that they're like, oh, no, yeah, not that one. No, not that one. Yeah, no, not like, that one. Never, I'm like, never. I'm like, like I, even out. in my yeah. book of shit, I was like, I would have crossed out, and I'd be like, maybe, or like, totally never. So there's a chance you knew these songs better than these guys going into practice for them. Yes and no. Yeah, they, it made us all, figure, we all had to figure it out, man. It was just cool. I mean, yeah. you know, that was a, it was definitely a cool experience because it wasn't hard. You just there was already you just had to learn this stuff, right? You know, it's like read the book, absorb the material, take the test, figure it out. But I mean, nice. Uh, I I really like the uh, you know Youth Brigade was one of the bands at first took took you guys under their wing and like signed you to BYO. I like I like that they opened that first night and. Uh, that was pretty awesome. How was how was the response overall for all those shows? Like, I mean, like you guys coming out there playing like, with the bad in the Argyle and like people freaking out over it. It was, cool. it was fun to see how different places responded to different records yeah. and, and different people. You know, like, yeah. like different the crowds, crowds like, were, yeah, like, uh-huh. like yeah. way different for like the first night than last night. I mean, it's natural. You know? So uh, you t- you talked a little bit about the uh, new album Comet. Um, you guys recorded that with Bill Stevenson. Before we get that far, like we're talking about deconstructing the old songs. Do you think that made the new songs on this new record better in a way? Maybe. Well, I just think it was like a, just something that was unless until we did it, we didn't realize until afterwards. We were like that. We had just the same thing as if like you have some kind of issue with some old friend or something, and then you sign finally you're like, oh, we resolved this thing. And then there's some sort of clarity, and then you move on to something new. Cool. Yeah. So it, it maybe deep, deeply psychologically, it did have something that was went into common, but I couldn't tell you exactly what that. I think some of the <laughs> spirit of some of like yeah, maybe yeah, older music, you know, like, getting an overview of our of our yeah. last. I think some of our records years. that we made like in like the more recently have been like, a bit more heady, you know, and yeah. And, uh, we lost a little bit of that, just like, just like uh, youthful enthusiasm, like mm-hmm. we talked about, and uh, going back to that, I think inspired us to write some of the songs on Kami, you know, yeah. which is cool. You just knew what worked, and we were like, okay, let's do like maniac, like a thing between like maniacal laughter and summer vacation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's exactly like, what, what sounds cool for us to play. And yeah. What's fun for them to hear? So yeah, yeah. it's fun. It's a good record. I like it. It goes off live, you know, like, yeah. like this kind of song is like a good live song, you know. So, yep. And like we, we wanted to make a record that, we, like, we would play like all the songs live, you know. In the past, we're like, okay, we did two songs live, you know. This one we're we're doing, yeah, all, we're doing them all live. You know? Yeah. Um, That's the goal. So, so you guys have worked with like Tom Wilson, Tim Hutt, and Bill Stevenson. Did I miss anybody in there? Ted, Ted. Ted Hutt. Ted Hutt. 
Oops. Uh, yeah, that's it. Um, so, John Seymour. Yeah. Oh, okay. John Seymour. Yeah, he did uh, summer vacation and anchors away. Oh, I'm with a uh, with like the dream team, me and Pete and, and uh, John Seymour. Right. I missed that. Apologize. Um, I imagine you get. I imagine the uh, collaborations between. Uh, each each producer brings out something new. You guys learn something new. What did you guys learn from Bill this time around that you guys hadn't learned before? Was there anything? Yeah, you can always learn from Bill. Just being around that guy, he's a fucking genius, you know. He's just being, yeah. I mean, just fucking being the system that they have there. That was like the most concrete thing to, to talk about was the way they he lays down. You know, he he makes a demo and then he draws a click track to your. The, the up and downs of your tempo of a song that's a the huge tempo map. The tempo map he draws a tempo map and that's a pretty big thing it makes a big difference and it's one thing that's definitely a signature of his that he does and I think it makes a big difference that's a big thing that we learned I think yeah um, he's got this, the track record for Blasting from this year has just been incredible you guys Hot Water Music uh, Teenage Bottle Rocket Broadway which Broadway Calls yeah I know Bill, Bill didn't do them all but it's still like God damn, they're putting out the best records ever. Um, it's about damn time. Why did you guys finally decide Blasting Room this time over any of the other Why gentlemen? Like, yeah, it was just a matter of getting it. Yeah. Yeah. Finally getting around to it. Yeah. It just seemed like the right time. Yeah, so let's keep, let's keep, let's keep rolling. Uh, Chuck Asal is slowly becoming more, more and more of a big... Of a real record, I guess it, it's been a real record label for a while now, but mm-hmm. it's becoming more and more so with like Tim Berry mm-hmm. has signed on and uh, Dave House and whatnot. Um, who's running the day-to-day operations? Is Miss Kate. She is right there. All right. Um, how do you guys decide decide who to sign to the label? Is it like a collective or is it all her? Just all her? I'll bug her later. She's busy reading email. This air conditioner is blowing into my mic. Um, so Rise Records. Oh, what? For you guys, when you guys look at this thing that all of you guys started, uh, what releases are you most proud of? I mean, even the ones that she took a part of. Is there? Um, as far as the Chunks ones? Yeah. Other than your own. I mean, is there any like, man, I'm glad I had as little to do with that as possible, but that's a great record. I'm glad to have my name on it. Tim Barryon is fucking awesome, man. Yeah, that's pretty. He's like forty minor. He's like the real deal. Yeah, to having him and some things that like involve like the Sticks and Stones box set, like yeah. or the complete collection of Sticks and Stones. Like that that band was like a pretty important like chapter in New Jersey punk rock history and big influence on us. And being able to like corral all those songs and release them in one place, that's pretty rewarding. You know, it's pretty cool. Nice. All right, so um, Rise Records uh, co-released this. Um, I'm not a big fan of what they were doing, but I'm a really big fan of them like shifting their sales and like broadening their fan base. They've signed you guys, Cheap Girls, um, Hot Water, yeah, Make Do and Mend, um, Sharks. Damn, they've got a killer. Yeah, they're they're just ex- killing it now. Whereas a lot of other labels have uh, been. Um, dropping the ball I guess I want to say um, it, you know it's a co-release and I know Kate had a lot to do with it but was there why, why Rise I mean versus like I don't know Bad Records or I mean I don't even know if there was any offers on the table but I'm just curious I know everybody else has asked this question too so on Chunks out and we were like you know like just find someone to help us out and that was our default plan there. was just to do it ourselves and um Kate um, 
methodized guys through uh, hot water music. You know? And so we just approached them like, do you want to help us out? Did you leave? And they were really interesting enthusiastic from the very beginning first like communications that Kate made with them so just started off off on the right foot and they're just they like the band and they were just totally into it and everything what, what I like about them is too is they have this fan base already of fans that are just crazy about the stuff they put out and it's slowly introducing them into this other stuff like yeah, you guys and I want them there yeah, yeah. So it, it keeps opening doors. Never gonna. Last night, like uh, Salt Lake, I saw some really young people. Not those guys, but some like young, like and they looked like the they looked like they were going to like a uh, whatever. When the bats fly through, yeah, the show or whatever. Like I don't know the names. I don't know what the names of the bands. You know, I don't either. Just make that up. Yeah, but That's they were like leaving November. But you know, I'm like people always found out the best. My rise records. That's right. That's fly through. That's fly through. There's, that's a great band name. Dot dot dot. I think that's one of the um, an earlier rise release. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to start wrapping up here because I know you guys got other shit to do than talk to me. The, the bats fly through. I like that. Um, now, uh, I'm, I'm good acquaintances with Kevin Seconds. Like, I wouldn't say a good friend, but whenever he's in town, we hang out. We grab dinner i want to say a beer but he doesn't drink so um uh recently like he was writing about a show he just played with seven seconds and he was talking rather cryptically about his health and continuing to play seven seconds shows and like i know you guys are still young spring chickens but um how do you guys do you guys worry about that wear and tear on your bodies and the age factor going into it Trying to learn how to take care of those things, you know. Yeah, like, it, so you can continue to do this. Yeah. You, know? you can't, you can't quite abuse yourself as much as we used to. You know what I mean? Like you can't just fucking party all night, every night on tour, and then like totally give a hundred percent on stage. Like you start reeling it in, finding a comfortable spot. You know, drink this much beer and you'll be all right. You know, like you, you, you party less. You know, you eat healthier food. We're doing juice. You were talking about it before, yeah. yeah. That makes a big difference. Yeah. This, this, the first time we run the juicer out on the tour. It's been great. I gotta get one. I'm not gonna slow down until I hit 30, dude. You're not even 30 yet? <laughs> I hit 30, then I'll slow the fuck down. But I'm not gonna slow down until then. I'm an animal right now. Well, good for I'm you. I'm fire in fuego. When I hit 30, I quit. Yeah, yeah. I'm still. I'm gonna quit doing all my <laughs> stuff when I hit 30, 35, maybe. Yeah. For right now, no, I'm fucking. I'm an 11. All right, yeah. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm 31 and I feel old. I'm looking for when the Jeez. bats are flying through, dude. <laughs> when the bats fly <laughs> Can we make a band and just put it out on Chunks? Picturing the logo now. You see the guy? When the bats fly when through. The bats fly. <laughs> He's already forgot. It's great. But it's it's forever on uh, micro right. SD. Um, it's going to be a vampire emo band. Yeah. Hardcore. Hardcore. Oh, yeah, it, it could work. I, I, I'm gonna be the hype guy, the, the, the hype man. The new band going. I'll be gonna be the hard guy that screams. It's gonna rise. Pete's gonna be the whiny kid. Sing, yeah, the singer whiner, and then you're the screamer. You get the screaming guy, the whining guy, some metal like breakdown stuff. You should, uh, you should have like sort of like subliminal Christian messages. Yeah, we're, we are gonna be a Christian band too, by the way. <laughs> I'm the eighteen year old kid with a. Uh, Teardrop tattoo. <laughs> With the long Back flowing hair. Yeah, hair curtains. Hair curtains. I've never killed someone in jail before. 
I don't get it, but you know, I'm sure my my parents didn't get this, and your parents didn't get this either. Um, so hairstyles and tattoos. So so I, without even asking, I know the answer to this question. Have you guys grown up yet? Like, are you grown ups? Yeah. And we're still like. 14-year-old kids? Yeah. We're yeah. at the end of this interview. You tell us. No, no, I mean, like, this, this is great. This is fun. Like, like, whenever I get around my best friends growing up, we go back to those roles of just, we're like an episode of South Park. We just cuss each other out. We're mean as shit to each other. But separate, we're all, like, really nice and simple. And, like, it's it's cool to see other people out there like that, too. I don't think we can grow up. I mean, we, just, we have a charmed life. So, like, you just... Yeah. So easy to be like happy all the time, you know. That you're kind of like youthful all the time. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah. Lucky dudes, man. And it shows you guys seem very happy and very pleased. I know it's a hell of a drive from Salt Lake to here, so send you guys. I don't gotta worry about it. It's not Dan Denver, man. It's not Dan Denver. What the hundred thousandth time in Denver? We always either we, we play here a lot, and we seem to stop off like lay, have layovers in Denver yeah. often. So it's like, hey, another day in Denver. Yeah, and then you go to Costa Rica a lot, which is like right off the coast of Denver. Right, the government's pretty sure that Costa Rica is just it's an island right below Denver, kind of off the coast, the southern coast of Denver. There's Costa Rica just below that, and we go there a lot. So. Uh, well, I, I, I'm out of shit to talk about unless you guys want to talk about uh, go. when the bats fly. Stay well, tuned. We, need, we can't really. We need to watch. We can't have that on recording. That's coming out on. Well, I'll, I'll take it away. It's, it's a pleasure, guys. Well, thank Thanks you, guys. Lot, uh, see you out there. Well, all right, buddies. Thanks to the Bouncing Souls for hanging out and letting me kiss their ass ever so gently. Uh, at the backstage of the Summit Music Hall. Uh, now, if you guys haven't picked up a copy of Comet, uh, the Bouncing Souls' newest release, head on over to mostlyharmlesspodcast.com right now, and you can enter to win an LP copy of uh, of Comet. And it's going to come with the digital download. And you know what? If you want if you want a CD copy of this, if you do happen to win, I'll go ahead and I'll give you a... We'll get, we'll get you a CD in there, too, buddies. Uh, so... Um, Again, thank you to the Bouncy Souls for letting me hang out and bullshit with you guys. Thanks. You guys, they were super fucking cool, super awesome guys. And really, like, I keep meeting my heroes throughout the show, and every time I'm still blown away at how cool and awesome and how just real they are. You know, I'm 31 years old, and it's kind of, it's kind of weird to still have uh, heroes and icons of this sort. But this is what I grew up on, and I keep meeting people throughout the course of this podcast and throughout the course of tour managing and uh, booking shows and whatnot. And really, like, there's only been a couple people here or there that have completely turned me off. For the most part, my heroes and these guys are um, just as awesome as they always have been. And what do you know? Brian maybe kind of sort of remembers me telling him the uh, lost virginity story at the Ogden way back in 2002. And here, here, let's be honest here. There's a really good chance I did lose my virginity to just the one track, Lamar Vanoy, off of uh, Maniacal Laughter. Because, you know, it's your first time. You're not going to last that long, guys. Not going to last that long. Uh, but here's the thing that's really cool is, like, uh, I went outside and I interviewed uh, Tom from the Menzigers during the uh, Bouncing Souls while they were playing. It was about the only time we had. And I come back in just in time for the encore. I'm standing at the back. I'm sipping on the last remnants of my beer, and I'm thinking to myself, "Ah, this is a good spot. I'm just going to stay back here at the back. And the next thing you know, the Bouncing Souls hit the stage, and they play my all-time favorite fucking song, The Freaks, The Nerds, and The Romantics off Maniacal Laughter. And uh, I was going to actually request the song. I was going to request the guys to play it, and who... 
Who knows? I, I, I requested it last time I'd seen them, the Ogden, and maybe Brian had an inkling and remembered. Maybe not, but all I do know is next thing you know, the magnets pulled me to the front of the stage, and there I was, the very front, rocking out like I'm fucking 18 years old again. And uh, sure enough, I, I hurt the next day, but it was fucking awesome to make eye contact with Brian from the stage and have him fucking go point at me and go, yeah! And uh, highlight of my goddamn month, week, year. I turned 31 on Friday and really th- couldn't ask for a better better present. Um, so we uh, we did take a little bit of time off from Most of the Homeless, and we're kicking things back up again, as I said before. We've got uh, Tom May from the Menzingers next week. Uh, hopefully, if things work out, we should have Joyce Manor the week after that. Maybe Dear Landlord coming up, too. I don't know. We'll see. We'll figure that out. I've got some other stuff on tap uh, that may or may not happen. And I'm kind of hesitate to talk about this stuff because, you know, sometimes they happen. Sometimes my car breaks down. And I don't get to do the interviews. Uh, but I've, I'm working on Helmet, The Toadies, uh, Gaslight Anthem, Rise Against. Uh, so we got we got some really cool stuff coming up. And, uh, and guys... Thank you for listening. Uh, the Red Fang episode we post, the last episode we had, broke all records for uh, my website and daily downloads. But I think it's time to break that record again. Now, let's see if we can do it. I've yet to break 1,000 downloads in one week. I think this Bouncing Souls interview can do it. So please, help me celebrate my 31st birthday. Please reshare, repost, do what you can. Let's get 1,000 downloads for this uh, this Bouncing Souls interview here, please. Please, please. Please help me celebrate my birthday in fun and style. And if you're in the Colorado area, uh, August 4th, uh, Triple Nickel Tavern, place I used to run, work for, whatnot. We're going to do a live Mostly Harmless uh, podcast with Arliss Nancy. Uh, there might be some special guests. Who knows? But Arliss Nancy are the only ones confirmed now. It's a week away, and I've only got one band confirmed. That's pretty sad, right? Uh, but anyway, guys, um, we're going to get out of here. We're going to leave you guys one last song. Uh, this is the title track off the Bouncing Souls' newest album, Comet. And, of course, the title track being Comet. So thanks again for listening, guys. Visit MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com for links to uh, Brian, Pete, and Greg's day jobs and whatnot. And leave me a little bit of feedback on the website. Go to go to iTunes. Leave me a little review. Uh, one of the problems we're having with PR people is they're not seeing that we have the reach that we have. So make sure you like us on Facebook. Leave us some comments. Uh, leave us some reviews on iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes. Please. Please help help a brother out. It's my thirty first birthday, guys. And uh, visit uh, the store mostlyhomelesspodcast dot com. I got uh, some t shirts up there for sale. And uh, help a brother out on his thirty first birthday, would you? Please. All right, but guys, uh, this is Comet off Comet and Enter to Win Comet at mostlyhomelesspodcast dot com. Comet, Comet. The storm is coming. We feel fine. Comets burning in the sky. Old world's burning in our minds Watch it fall away and die We begin to lose our minds As we open up our eyes Chasing stars all through the sky
tonight as the smoke begins to rise. Paints a coat of blue and white, dissipates in heaven's high. Chasing stars.